Hello mummers, Laura here and today we are chatting about the importance of play in nourishing your child's development and focusing on the mini milestones rather than worrying about the big ones. Enjoy! Hey mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes, it's time for you to guide you through, let's take some time for you, it's pregnancy with physio. Hello, mamas, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. We have had a short break over the past few weeks whilst I just slowly returned to work after having little baby Luca. And I am so excited to kickstart the podcast today with our new and amazing Kids Physio series with Nicole Pates. In the first episode today, we dive into Nicole's philosophy around play-based learning and the importance of enjoying our kids' mini milestones rather than worrying about coaching them through the early years of life. As Nicole says, we are the lighthouse, helping to guide our children. We are not the captain of their ship. And I just really love her take on childhood development, and I know that you will too. So this is episode one of a five-part kids physio series with the incredibly relatable Nicole Pates, who is a titled pediatric physiotherapist. Nicole runs a community health practice for babies and kids, as well as an incredible online platform. Nicole is passionate about empowering parents with accurate development knowledge and showing how purposeful play can benefit connection, attachment, and development. If you want to learn more from Nicole and follow her fun and entertaining play-based videos, you can find Nicole on Instagram at Nicole underscore Kids Physio. Now, there is so much important information coming up in this Kids Physio series. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so that you don't miss out. Coming up in this Kids Physio series, we'll be covering tummy time and the best way to prevent the flattening of a baby's head, crawling and the realistic expectations around when this milestone should occur and the different ways in which a baby may start to crawl, the down low on baby carriers and whether or not baby toys and activity centers are helpful or harmful. Now, we also have four bonus videos exclusively available to members inside the Pregnancy Posse where Nicole talks us through different play-based ideas for babies aged zero to three months old. Now, this entire podcast series and all our other podcast series, along with any exclusive member-only bonus podcast content, is all live right now inside the Pregnancy Posse program. So if you'd love to access all the bonus content and listen to this entire podcast series straight away, rather than waiting for future episodes to come out, please do go check out the Pregnancy Posse. I have gone and taken my years of experience as a women's health physiotherapist, helping pregnant and postnatal women and made this accessible in a beautiful online program. So when you join the Pregnancy Posse, I will guide you week by week through your pregnancy with safe weekly workouts tailored to your exact week of pregnancy. I also do a weekly Q&A session where I answer all of your burning questions. And there is a beautiful community forum where Posse members all support each other, as well as a beautifully big, extensive resources library to avoid you having to Google all your pregnancy symptoms. Now, I would love to help you have a healthy, active, pain-free pregnancy. So just head over to thepregnancyposse.com to to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about and to trial it for seven days. Now, let's get into episode one of our five-part kids physio series. I really think you'll enjoy the ethos behind this play-based development with the lovely Nicole. Enjoy! Hi, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I was actually thinking as I was preparing for this interview that you are the first physio I've had on the podcast. So... Oh. 
Physio to physio, welcome and thank you for sharing all of your expertise. I know we do get a lot of questions about pediatrics, which is absolutely not my area, but is 100% your expertise. So I'm really excited for you to dive into this today. And I wanted to kick it off because I think the listeners will really get to know you when you answer this question anyway. But can you talk to us around your philosophy when it comes to play and milestones and connection? Because I get the impression from you is that there's a lot of anxiety amongst new parents about having to hit these milestones. And I really like your approach to it. So welcome. And let's kick it off with your philosophy around play. Well, thanks for having me, Laura. And I have no have no clue about women's health physio either. So <laughs> share that to common ground there. Um, but um, thanks for having me on the podcast. And um, I'm really excited. And my philosophy around play and connection and paediatric physio, I guess, um, came about because in the clinic, I see so many um, parents. And then when I started my Instagram, so many parents that are really anxious that their kids aren't achieving their milestones when they're meant to be. And I I had a little reflect on that because the timeframes that they said as they were meant to be were just the average when like 50% of babies were doing things. And I was like, where did we get this idea that like all these babies should be doing this when only half of the babies? So that made me really reflect about the way we as health professionals are communicating things, um, but also um like how we communicate, not just what that information is. And when I was seeing parents and and families working with their kids and the focus being solely on milestones, like, and the big milestones, there's so much joy in development and watching these tiny little changes. And, but we miss them because we're so focused on these big end goals. And I think we need to celebrate all the little things along the way. And so the way I work and the way my team work is to kind of shift that focus and and to shift the focus onto the child and what the child can do. Keep in your head those milestones. And then with parents is really help them joy, have like rejoice in that development. And the best way to do that, I think, is through play and, and connection. Because when we play together, um it's fun and you see your child discover new things and and it's less about I have to go and do this and work and get towards this task and it's more about okay what are we going to do today to have fun um and as in when I had my little boy first um it's a really nerve-wracking time like thrown in the deep end even if you're all prepared in your brain of, of how things could be or what you know the sleep deprivation you're not because you, you don't really know until you experience it and it's different for everyone um and there's so you know there's so much focus on feeding and sleeping and all of these things and um you kind of just get lost into this cycle of trying to to to, to follow schedules or trying to do things and so my um philosophy is to shift that to more of an attachment connection based around play and and discovering your child's unique personality and their um, their likes and dislikes and their cues because all of our children are different. They all have different genetic profiles, even siblings. Um, they um, all have different parents and environments and cultures that they're brought up in and they um, all of those things mixed in together means and they have different, you know, the things that we do influence like you know by different environments and going outside or inside and things like that that influences bubs sort of 
exposure to different things. And so it's more about um, like fostering that through connection, through play, rather than being like, okay, by three months they need to be doing this. And, and like that's why I did share a post not long ago why I shudder when people are like, oh, how much tummy time is your baby doing? And I'm like, why are we even counting the minutes? Like it's not a, like I know that the World Health Organization count tummy time as physical activity for infants, but really why like why isn't it more like oh you know like what do you like what do you love doing with your baby what does what does your baby really love like do they love having baths or do they love going for walks or do they love when you just have snuggles and books and and it's and it's discovering those things rather than like how many minutes are they in tummy time which as health professionals I've been asked that by health professionals and um like a long time ago I would ask that question now and now I'm like no no let's just focus on 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 your baby and their and their and their whole the whole child rather than like one tiny aspect and so that's my philosophy and I really love teaching parents how to get to know their babies and get to know their babies through play so um and then development just becomes secondary to that um obviously when bubs are um might have some some speed bumps or some issues where development might be delayed but that's okay because there's still so many little wins along the way and each child is unique in their developmental pathway and I think recognising and cherishing that uniqueness is important rather than trying to clump everybody together. But that's just my personal philosophy. There's so many things that you just said that I was like, yes, 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 yes. So first of all, love Mm. your approach and I think that that needs to be spread far and wide because I know so many first-time mums who are not enjoying the process because they're putting so much expectation on them to teach or coach their babies to do certain things they're pathologizing them when they're completely normal and I'm sure you see that all the time Second thing, I feel like you're probably helping the parents more than the children in a lot of cases just to really help them connect back in again with Mm. enjoying their child. And like you said, everyone is so different. So the third thing was that I was thinking as adults, like for me personally anyway, to go to the gym and do 20 squats sounds very boring. But if you ask me to go for a surf or play a game of basketball, or it's so much more enjoyable. And I think it's about trying to, like, that's a version of play, I guess, rather than yeah. just doing the minutes Definitely. and doing the reps. Yeah. And we have to yeah. think about that for our children as well. And there's yeah. so many things that just make sense with what you said, but I don't think many people would have thought about that, particularly first-time parents because comparisonitis is a big problem and you're probably looking at all the mother's group babies and going, yeah, but your kid does that and your kid does that. And I think for me, I'm about to have my third baby. It's only with time and wisdom that I've come to realise every child is different. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely. I love everything you've said with that. And what I'm wondering what do you have any like broad picture ideas I know we could go into specifics about age groups and things like that but in terms of Mm. play-based development in terms Mm. of setting up an environment at home that might help a baby to progress in their own way and at their own time do you have any tips for like yeah how to incorporate play in everyday life and what you could do with your environment to try and encourage play Yes. So, and that comes down to, and this is, this is where like I'm an, a, a professional in babies. So this is my knowledge, whereas I'm not the expert in your child. So you 
you know your child and their likes and their dislikes and every bub's different and every bub needs a different level of security from their parents to um, have the confidence to explore new things and new environments. So some babies are like, cool, yeah, you put that down, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look at it and I'm going to explore that. And other babies are like, oh, you just put that contrast card there. What, what is that? Like, hold me, mum. Like, what do we do with that? And so every bub is different and I can't tell parents what level of security their baby will need because I don't know your baby. But, and neither of those situations are wrong. And then, you know, you have other bubs that have things happening for them like reflux because a lot of the time people say, oh, you know, I just get told my baby on the floor and they'll discover their environment. Some babies, sure. Some babies, no. Like they will be vomiting or they'll be uncomfortable because they've got things, you know, their gastro system is a little bit immature and they, then they're, they're more sensitive to that and they might need mum a little bit more. And so it's, it's not about just chucking them on the floor with some things and away they go. It's the first thing I would say for successful play is understanding your bub's level of mm, security they need when they're exploring new things and supporting that when you're trying new activities. And as bump becomes more familiar, you might be able to, you know, not have them on you and put them next to you and then move it further away or that or it might be different. And so that would be my first tip is understand your bub so that you can set up the play environment and and that initial experience to be a little bit more in line with what your bub needs rather than throwing them in the deep end. And I often see that with sensory play as well. So like, you know, but I got the spaghetti and I dyed it and I gave it to my seven-month-old and they like freaked out and, you know, and it's, you know, it's just not their thing. Like I don't really care about the spaghetti, but maybe if you, like for Miss my little girl, she's not big on the sensory play. So it's more like just leaving it there and then me exploring it. And I don't even like, like, really it's just that slow introduction to that so um because really play can be can be anything it can be from you know interactive play so singing songs and um nursery rhymes and chatting and facial expressions and mimicking each other which for the first three and even nine 12 months of life like your face is like baby's favorite thing because you don't really need any toys you just need your face and so much so that there was this really cool research study they have to find that they got paper plates and drew on eyes and eyebrows and mouth and nose and babies like whoa like not their parents it's not your parents face because they prefer the parents face but it's still a face it has eyes because their vision is still developing and they really engage with these paper plates um so that's one of our tricks for bums with you know, that have head preferences is make a paper plate face and um, <laughs> that helps them because um, it's a contrast as well. But the, fa the face and the expressions and that we're social beings um, is really, really cool, um, one thing. And then the other thing is some bubs will spend forever exploring something and other things will like new things all the time. And so it's really getting to know your child to have that. That would be my biggest tip, to be able to make play successful is understand your child so that you can tailor it more to your child rather than just going I'll try this idea and that's why I love the Instagram versus reality approach because they're like I set this up and actually they just tipped it all out and threw it over here and but that was what they're interested in at the moment so um but um like it doesn't have to be and I think this is where I went wrong as a first time mum and um not wrong but where I tried to do things I tried to be really structured 
in my approach to play and set up different stations and 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 do different things and now it's sort of more responding to when Miss C is ready for play and understanding those cues of when she's into that rather than um being like okay now it's playtime like feed play sleep feed play sleep like instead of trying to follow that routine it was more responding to her cues about where she was in you know sometimes we played longer sometimes shorter sometimes there was no play especially early on um but yeah so so yeah I love that because I think it takes, again, the expectation of parents that your child might not be ready or they might not like that and that's okay. And we are going to talk and show some videos a little bit later about different DIY play activity centres and things that you can do at home. And what I love about that is that if you don't go out and spend $100 on something that you think your baby should love and then they hate it, then you're very disappointed and upset because they hate it. If you just try these little things at home that Mm. don't cost much money, don't take much time, the expectation is lower and therefore you're not going to be as disappointed if they're not interested. And this reminds me of when I was doing um, baby led weaning with my children and I would, Mm. with my first, not with my second, definitely not going to be with my third, but um, (laughs) I would try these fancy healthy recipes and because I put a lot of effort in, I was like, my son is going to love this. And so when he threw it on the floor and decided he hated it, I was so upset and frustrated because I expected him to like it just because I put effort in. And I can see how the same thing happens with play. If you sit down and go, right, we're doing music now and Mm. you're going to love it and this is what we're going to do. And if your child's not interested, you're going to be so disappointed in that. So I I think I love the idea of just taking away all expectations and, like you said, really tuning in with bubs because at the end of the day that is the most important thing. Yeah, (laughs) and and it's it's following following their lead. So really like we without the music and I'm like shake 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 and Missy would be like oh yeah I'll shake and then she's like bang 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 it on the wall and bang other things and then we turn it into bang 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 play and she loves that and so um or throw play or like you know big gross motor movements and whereas other bubs are really into the like doing little things like putting things in things pulling things out really early on but at the moment that's like Missy's like whatever and so it's rather than me being like oh my god she's 14 months now she should be posting and she should be doing that regularly because that's what it says in the checklist I'm like I know she can do it but she just really doesn't care for it she just wants to be balancing along the thing at the park she just wants to be outside pulling the leaves off the tree like that's that's where that's fine motor in itself but that's what she wants to do and rather than me my children are very strong-willed children and someone said to me rather than like trying to box their like box in what you think they should be doing by like guiding them to to like guiding their personality the things that they like and, and giving them the sort of freedom to explore in those safe like obviously I don't want to pulling like the bean bags out of the bean bag or like you know doing those unsafe things so it's trying to find play ideas that are satisfying that curiosity and their need for development um with within a within a environment that I'm okay with the mess and I'm okay with certain things what did I come I was making school lunches this morning and um came out to find that Missy had emptied out every single um puzzle that my son had put in the puzzle cupboard that he forgot to put the baby lock on and so she'd like there's like you know 4,000 pieces of different puzzles and I was just like oh my god 
<laughs> but she had the most glorious time emptying everything and she'd found my little I was like, oh play. Um and it's like, you know, you fold all the washing in the wash and just pull it out. And so in the end I was like, oh well she can do that because there's lots of squats in there and she thinks it's really fun. It's great for a standing balance. But I'm just not going to fold it until I'm ready to put it in the drawers. So it's adjusting those expectations. But play doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to involve toys. And often our idea of play is not their idea of play. And that's that's where like chatting to someone that knows about play and can say yeah that's normal that's what they, they don't they're not imaginative as much at that time you know they won't start going until this time and so because I think that really like if you don't have kids or you don't work with kids it's it's an eye-opening experience being a first-time parent my husband was like why why is he not doing this why is he throwing this food? but like it's a normal what's normal and there's such a range but but yeah so anyway I think to summarize what you said is that the ultimate lesson in parenting is patience and surrender. <laughs> yes. Yes. And go with, and, and guide, what do I say is, is you're the lighthouse to their ship. So you can guide them, but you can't, um, you can't necessarily take them to the right. You, they have to choose their own port sometimes of where they're going to go. Yes, I definitely, that whole how to do things right and wrong, Mm. I had to get rid of that concept very early because I'm not a craft mum, I'm not an art mum, I've made a very clear line in the sand that that brings out the worst side of me. (laughs) So we have a lot of mess-free arts and crafts Mm. and instead of like I would set something up and my son would do it not how the instructions say, and I'd get frustrated because, oh, no, sweetie, this is what you've got to do. Da, da, da. And I just learned very early on in parenting that there's no right or wrong. He can do whatever he wants. There is no, just because the package says this is how you should colour it in or this mm. is how you should paste it. Um, I found that took away a lot of stress on my behalf trying to control how he did things. And I swear yep. the first child has to learn all these lessons through us don't they where we 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 make all these parenting mistakes and then the second child gets a much easier ride (laughs) I think the best example I think of that is when we want to finish the book you know like you're reading a book to your eight month old or your five month old and they just want to eat it or throw it and you're like but I've got to finish to the last page but we don't but but we have that like I need to finish the book like we started reading it and you've just got to let that go and be like okay on to the next thing now um we'll come back Yes. yes. (laughs) So I think that's a good um, segue into wanting to talk now. So we want to understand our bubs, understand they're all unique and understand that they're going to play in their own way. Mm. In terms of milestones, because I know we do get hung up a lot on big milestones, sitting, crawling, rolling, walking, cruising, all Mm. of these things. I know you talk a lot about mini milestones and you mentioned Mm. it earlier. So could you maybe talk us through... So that we don't put so much pressure and anxiety around the big ones, what do you mean yeah. by mini milestones? What should parents be looking out for? So, and that's why um, I always talk about mini milestones um, because when you get your ages and stages questionnaire, which is the questionnaire your child health nurse gives you, or you go and see someone, they like always check off like these big things, which, you know, if there's one that's not there, you're like, oh my God, is something wrong with my child? And as a health professional, those big checks are there because it's not like, oh, yes, something is wrong with your child. It is, okay, so if it's not happening, why? Let me look closer. So, for example, if I'm only, my bub is only rolling, they're six months or seven months old and they're only rolling one way, like, you know, that's a 
they've said, you know, if they're only doing it for one side, I should check this box. If that means something's wrong and then you Google that and you go down a rabbit hole, it's not very fun. So do not Google those things because what happens when I get that as a physio is I go, okay, not rolling one way. Let me look at your environment. How are you helping baby get up and down off the floor? Like how are you holding baby? You know, how was your pregnancy? How was your birth? What's, what's, what's your family history like? All of those things. And I put it together and I'm like, oh, no, no. You've just set your whole environment up so that they always want to turn to their left. So they've got a bit of a preference. Let's start doing to the right. And then three weeks later, it changes. So for lots of the time, they're just checks for us to explore further. And lots of the time, nothing comes of that. But it's it's well, it's, it's something that isn't a serious issue. But when we when you're a parent and you're checking those boxes, it, it almost creates that anxiety of, oh, my God, I'm not, this is not right. What's wrong with my baby? Um, but also a lot of those checks are based on certain averages and, like, the rolling at four months from the child health nurse is not even a – I don't know where people have this idea that babies should be rolling by four months because, like, half of babies will roll by six months or five months or, you know, five and a half months from tummy to back and half of babies six months from – back to tummy so I don't know why we think they need to be rolling by the four month child health nurse check um because that creates anxiety in itself because so many babies won't be rolling then um so the mini milestones we talk about is the things that you can see as a parent that your child is progressing towards those next skills so are they like for rolling are they turning their head to the side are they starting to get their hands across their body are they starting to roll to their side are they um almost getting there and then coming back have they got are they trying to go both ways or is it one way a little bit more tricky is there something of that and so um, can they can they track with their eyes around the certain room and so uh, around the room and so um, those are the things that like you class as mini milestones as the foundational building blocks towards those big skills because sometimes babies will be able to do those big skills but not actually have some of those foundational like everyone focuses on the big skills so like sitting for example oh yeah my baby can sit but they can't crawl and they actually like well how did they get into sitting oh I put them there Okay, well, how do they get out of sitting? Oh, I take them out. So how are they moving on their own? Oh, well, then they're not. I'm just putting them in sitting. And so for that for me at, you know, seven months is more of a like, okay, let's we need to work on that rather than, oh, they're not crawling or they're not like, you know, it's more about them being able to move through their own movement and have and it's, it, the sitting thing is it's not that we shouldn't put our babies in sitting, but we should help them understand that, they can get in and out of sitting by the way that we hold them and move them. That's something that we can do as parents is give them opportunity to experience lots of different planes of direction um, in movement rather than just sort of flat or upright. So it's just introducing that 3D element to their world. But, um, yeah, so and then crawling mini, mini miles and people are like, oh, my God, my baby's going around in circles. Totally normal. That's part of them discovering how they move. And so it's, it takes the, like, freak out of what could be wrong and to that's just a normal part of movement discovery for your baby so um yeah that's so that's what mini milestones mean like, it's, like yeah. looking at the precursors to a movement mm. as opposed to just waiting because I guess say crawling there's 16 things that need to happen before you can actually successfully crawl so it's like looking for you know, those mini signs of progression because you don't just wake yep. up one day and crawl. You've had to learn no. different things, how to get on all yep. fours and how to move one arm and then keep your bottom yep. up. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. I like that. And and, and also you can't, you can't 
you won't crawl until your vision system has gone through the second leap. Mm. Um, and so really, like, you know, you could, and that's genetically different for all babies. So I can't say, oh, yes, your baby is going to crawl by this time because there's so many different interplaying factors that, yeah, that's really, it's a really hard thing to, like, average. We have averages based on huge data population pools, but, um, yeah, there's always individual variances and differences. So mm. it's not just about strength or about um, opportunity to practice movement skills. It's also about visual development and the cognitive development and, um, and their social development blooming as well. So, yeah, it's mm. different things. I love that. Hey, mamas, Laura here. How fantastic is Nicole's approach to development? I really think she does a fantastic job of helping to empower parents to understand their child's unique personality and developmental journey and reminding us that development is not linear and each child will develop in their own time and in their own way. Now, I know a lot of parents can experience anxiety around their child's development, especially when you compare to other children in the mother's group. So I hope after listening to this episode today that you feel more relaxed about this dreaded comparisonitis and instead tune into your unique and amazing child only. Now, if you'd like to learn more from Nicole, you can find her on Instagram at Nicole underscore kids physio. And I would always love to hear from you over on my socials at physio Laura and let me know what your favorite learning was from this episode. In the next few episodes of this Kids Physio series, we'll be chatting with Nicole about tummy time and the best way to prevent the flattening of a baby's head, crawling and the realistic expectations around when this should occur and the different ways in which a baby may start to crawl. Everything you need to know about baby carriers and whether or not baby toys and activity centers are helpful or harmful. So if you haven't already, just subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so that you don't miss our upcoming episodes in this wonderful physio series. Now, if you love today's episode and you want to watch the next four episodes in this kids physio series, you can find this entire series along with all our other podcast series live right now inside the Pregnancy Posse. Remember, for most series of the podcast, we do record bonus content for Pregnancy Posse members only. And in the bonus member-only episode for this series, Nicole shares with us four bonus videos demonstrating play-based ideas for babies aged zero to three months. Inside the Posse, you'll also find weekly guided pregnancy workouts, an extensive resources library on birth preparation, pelvic floor exercises, and managing pregnancy pains and injuries, plus a wonderful community forum and weekly Q&A sessions with me. Now, I would love to help you have a wonderful pregnancy, birth, and postnatal experience. So just visit thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about and to trial it for seven days. Now, I will catch you soon for episode two in this five-part Kids Physio series where we'll be chatting about how to best do tummy time and different strategies to prevent flattening of a baby's head. Until then, mamas, sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes and enjoy the incredible journey that is pregnancy.